Welcome to episode number 48, Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Candice Liu, who is a founding partner at the consulting firm On-Prem Solutions Partners. And in this episode, we go through how she launched and grew the business and even scaled it from a few employees to now having a couple hundred employees and the challenges that kind of go along with that. And we go through how you can actually solve problems, what her problem solving process is, and how you can use it to solve problems in your own business as well. And recently, I began coaching, helping people launch and grow businesses, helping people launch podcasts, find some insights into this whole business world or podcasting at justgogrind.com slash coaching. So go ahead and check that out. The show notes for this episode and all episodes of the Just Go Grind podcast are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. Again, justgogrind.com slash podcast. And please do head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review so more people can find the show. You can also subscribe there as well so you never miss an episode. And without further ado, here's Candice Liu from On-Prem Solution Partners. Candice, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on. And after your presentation at USC, I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many more questions to ask her. So I'm excited we can make this happen. And one of the first things I'm wondering with On-Prem, how did that get started and what is your role currently? So I am one of the founders of the company. So the way that it all started was that the four of us who founded the firm, we actually were with a small consulting firm prior to this that got acquired and we spun off of that acquisition. And the reason why I started it was because that first firm was all about culture. It was so focused on, honestly, like hiring your best friends almost, right? You were doing all this great work. It's media entertainment consulting. So we're doing all this problem solving for the studios. And then one by one, the people they hired at that first firm just really great people that you feel like are your best friends. You know, you just get that feeling with them. Very supportive, very intelligent. And we had a really, really great community of people. And then we went from 80 people and we got acquired by this multi-billion dollar firm. And we were given numbers. You know, it was like, I always say it was like lame as a rob where I was given a number and I had to say it every single time I called in to a call center. And we lost that human element of it. So honestly, the whole idea of on-prem sprung from the fact that we had something that was great and we missed it and we wanted it back. Yeah. And you said we. So obviously, who's on this team and how did that kind of go? So it was me and three other founders at OnPrem. And we all have worked together since that first company. One of them, frankly, actually founded the company, the first one. And so uh, the four of us, we basically ran a media entertainment practice for the company that acquired us. And the three of us were the practice leads for that firm. Whereas Frank oversaw all media entertainment, each of us saw a work stream within that group. So that's how we all got together very similar in values. And we knew each other at that point, right? 15 years of working together. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And then knowing that you started the company with a few people and you've obviously grown tremendously since then, what was it like in the early days compared to what it's like now in terms of the team and how many people are on the team? Oh, yeah. You know, the early days when you do a startup, and I recommend it to anyone that has the gumption and ability to do it, it's just wild west. I mean, you know, you think about starting a firm and you're like, okay, that sounds good. What do we do? And when we don't have an office, and so when we first started, we grew to about 15 people in a year's time. So we would have quarterly meetings at like restaurants and very small venues because there were only so many of us. We would have happy hours and talk about the business. And it was very different to now we're 200 people. We have four locations, New York, Los Angeles, Austin, and Dallas. And those elements that still make us tick in terms of building relationships and making sure, you know, we hire, we have a no jerk policy, right? So you hire just good people that are good to each other and, and, and it permeates that way. 
But obviously, having 200 people compared to where we were before, you have to be a lot more organized when it comes to communication, when it comes to just things that we didn't have to do before because we could just sit in one room and talk to each other. It's very different. Yeah, and you mentioned like systems and organization. Like, What were some of those things you put in place, I guess, as you grew that you knew you needed to have because you were dealing with so many people and it's also a remote company? Like, what, are the, what are some of those systems or what are some of the software you use to manage everything? Well, if you can believe it, we started and we probably grew to even maybe it was like 80 people on G Sheets. So we had our HR system, like a list of when people started, their birthdays, their addresses on G Sheets. <laughs> and you sustain it, you do put the tables, you do reporting off of that. And it gets to the point where you're like, this is not good anymore. <laughs> so transitioning is to, to certain... And I think we, we came into the market at a good time when there were a lot of different solutions that were being created, open source. You know, the, the prices on those came down quite a bit. You didn't have to implement SAP to have a, an HR system or a financial system. So there are a lot of different software out there that are pretty reasonable for startups. Bamboo HR we use, uh, Lever for recruiting, certain things like that that you can transition into that were far easier to do than probably even 10 or 15 years ago when you didn't have much choice. Yeah. And with that too, I'm curious, with, with, you obviously started with a team in place, a few people as the co-founders, like how's the decision-making process? How did that go early on? And you know, as you grew and progressed, like, is, like, how does that work with your company? Well, that's the thing I always say is you have to find partners that you align with really well, right? That your values are very similar because then your, your guideposts, it all rings the same each time. So if we're all about people, if we're all about transparency, you know, integrity, things like that, that you're making decisions pretty seamlessly. So everything else is pretty tactical, right? Do we spend $1,000 on this or that? When we first started, and even to this day now, we have weekly meetings. It's Now there's five partners, so the five of us meet every week. We have a log of decisions we need to make, and we go through it. And I think where you find, if, if you have a good dynamic with your other team members, there's friction. Because if there wasn't, then you wouldn't want to bring things up, right? So for us, we'll go through a topic, we may have differences of opinion, and then we commit to it, and then we go. You know, but, but the back and forth on that for the five of us, it's great because we balance each other out so much because we just come from different perspectives. So That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, they can be very difficult, especially with multiple people. But like you said, you align, which is why you started the business together, I guess, in the first place. You do have that alignment to begin with, which is helpful. But you know, when you do run into conflict, like how do you then resolve that? How do you kind of approach that? Because obviously there's going to be conflict within that. Yeah, but that's why I think the reason why all of us get along so well also is we're all very logic-based. So sure, I mean, emotions can get into that. But when it comes to making decisions, it's logical. So if you put numbers together, if we're targeting a certain thing in our P&L and we're not going to hit that if we do this thing that someone's asking for and you push it out a quarter, that's logic, right? So it's easy to make those decisions if we end up, just like with any of our projects, any recommendation we give to client, it goes granular to details and data. And if we have that supporting it, then we can go back and forth on it and then make a decision. But it really helps to be able to, to partner with people that are just logical. And thankfully, again, the five of us are. Yeah. And you mentioned, like I said, that those few founders, I love this idea of growth because to grow 200, it's a lot of people. I'm curious, like in the beginning, did you anticipate like that was where everyone wanted to head towards? Or was it kind of just you kept growing organically and then, oh, we need way more people? Like, how did that happen? No, you know, it was when, when we had left the last firm we were at, we were at about 200 people. And so when we sat down and put together our three-year forecast, we looked at it and we laughed at each other because we were like, oh yeah, we're going to be at 100 people three years. Ha ha ha. But we based it off of, again, like very logical, granular expectations. We said, if we leave and we start a company, we expect these clients to potentially join us or this number of projects we could probably get. And the fascinating thing about, I think, when we started the company is that a good number of folks that we started with from the very first company came back. 
you know, I, I'm a big believer in kind of this karmic leadership aspect where you treat people right along the road and somehow your roads meet again and people will be there for you when you need them. And when we were growing and when we needed people, there's always someone. So we, we never worried about that aspect of it. So our projections always saw this amount, the numbers that we're at right now, we predicted it, even though when we first started it, we were like, that's crazy. But we knew we could get to that because we just knew kind of from a client and team member perspective, how we could grow and who would come over basically. Yeah. So it's obviously those different relationships and you get the first client and you get another one, you look at the numbers and figure it out. Okay. Yeah. We can grow at this level. And then with the hiring, like take me through that process. How have you approached that? Cause that can be such a headache for people growing businesses, like the hiring, firing side of it. How have you approached that? So in the very beginning, and this is where the USC MBA connection, that's where I got my degree. Obviously that's how you and I met. When we first started, consulting is, is this thing where luckily you don't need very specific skill sets, right? It's not like brain surgery where I need to, to be taught how to, how to use a scalpel. It really is about just logical breakdown and analysis. And so when we first started, I said, hey, we can go to USC, we can go to the MBA program, and we can just say, hey, just give me smart people. I don't care who they are, I don't care what their backgrounds are. You give me smart, likable people, and they're going to become good consultants. And because we needed a layer of experience. When you're four people, you can't just hire analysts out of undergrad, right? You need, you need your pyramid. And so for us to hire more experienced folks from the MBA program and then be able to take that and then they could accelerate really quickly and they were able to run projects in you know, a professional maturity that they were running things and, and could be leveraged at that point. So we started hiring out of the MBA program pretty quickly and then just word of mouth, right? And there's excitement around a startup. There was excitement around media entertainment. And then as soon as we hired two people the first year, they would tell their classmates the next year, and there were three people, and then four people, and then six people. And it just kept growing from there. So it was a combination of that. And honestly, it's all our relationships. We've been doing this for a good number of years. And a lot of people, when they found out we were doing this, they all asked to come over. So that was really easy for us. I think now using recruiters and really have branding out there so that there is that ability to just attract people. That's what you need at 200 people. But before, when we started, we were just lucky because people knew us and then we had a story to tell. And then as soon as people started to join and the culture that we reinforced, they just kept telling everyone about it and their friends about it. And then we had a lot of referrals coming in. Yeah. And with the early days, and it's progressed since then, but companies or your different clients you work with, I'm sure you had, you'd built up relationships because you've been in the industry for a while. But in terms of on-prem, like, what is it about on-prem that makes clients want to work with you guys? So I think a big thing that would underline that question is that 90% of our work is non-compete. So that tells you that people trust us. And, and honestly, I'm not a salesperson. I never ever thought I would be a partner at a consulting firm. I'm just not that person. What I am good at though, is I build relationships with people that I genuinely like, right? And so if you do good work with people and they like you and they know that you're smart and then you actually build a relationship with them, and they get to a point where they need help because now they become, let's say, you know, a CEO or a CTO or even whatever it is. And they ask you for your opinion. And if you tell them genuinely, like, I can't do that, but maybe someone like Deloitte can do it. The time when they ask you if you can do it and you say, yes, they're going to trust you. And honestly, that's how we, we forged all this is that it really is about just, again, back to the whole karma thing, just treating people right, being honest with them. And I feel like for us, the reason why we're different than I think from a lot of the other firms, because we all get from the big core. It's not that people do less of that. It's just that I feel like we focus on that so much here that our, our reputation is gone this year. And so there's, there's the trust and there's a relationship component of who we are and what we built that has really been the foundation of all of this. Yeah. And to the point of growing again and with 
obviously you get more and more clients and everything and you've grown the team so large. I'm curious as to like how you approach things differently now in terms of whether it be projects you take on or clients you work with. Has it changed at all or how has that gone for you? Yeah. You know, when you first start, I think you end up just taking projects on even as like one-offs, right? Like if it's one person doing something, they call it staff augmentation, where maybe a studio would want a particular person to just come in and just help them for whatever reason. And when you first start, you get in there. And so you just get in there and you do projects like that. So you can just get your brand out there and you start really putting yourself and then you can start asking project-based work. So as we started, and we started to do that, even when we began like New York and that office out there, you take on different types of projects like that. And then as we grow, you evolve to more project-based work just because they now know you and we prefer that, right? We prefer that we come in with a work plan, with a certain number of people, with a certain timeline, and then we execute that, we execute milestone, and we sell based off of that. So our, our projects have evolved that way, especially as we mature in a certain office, a certain city. We want to navigate more towards that type of work. Even in the very beginning, though, we have been more apt to take on work that kind of pushes the envelope a little bit. Like we're not going to be your implementers of SAP. We just don't want to do like back-end office work. Like we want to stand up your streaming service. We want to think through... OTT and then artificial intelligence, the things that are a little bit more just kind of innovative. So from the very beginning, we've always been focused on that. It's more about the type of work, especially as we grow, we can just have more people on the project. And was that discussed like amongst, you know, all the founders initially, like, okay, these are the projects we really want to work on ideally, or was it kind of like, we'll see who comes in, then we'll kind of evaluate from there and adjust what we want to do? Or how did that go? Yeah, no, when we first started, we did a lean business model canvas. And so like, two companies ago, we had a full business plan. And honestly, I wrote it and we never used it. I'm like, why do we need a 60 page here to tell us how to do our business when it gets stale, like day two? So we put together a business model canvas and we basically, you know, you go through what you're all about, your values, the kind of work you want to do. And specific to that column, we talk about innovative work. You know, that was kind of our value set. And then from that canvas, we took the keywords from that and innovation being one of them. And we turned that into our mission statement and our vision statements. So from the very beginning, we always had that outlook that that's the kind of work that we wanted to do, especially with the talent that we wanted to attract. Yeah. And one of the things like you mentioned at USC, obviously went to this whole discussion of problem solving and that's what consultants do. And that's something where in terms of the audience here, started trying to start and grow business, it's all about solving problems. So what is your process for approaching you know, problem solving? You know, I think, I think this is what I mentioned at, at class as well. The first thing you got to ask is why, right? Because all day long, clients are coming to us and saying, hey, we need this problem solved. And if you just solve that problem and not ask why, then you're not really, you're kind of doing a disservice to them because that ask may not be the right ask. So I, I always say that you have to figure out kind of what the overall strategy is before you take action so that you can make sure you're aligned to that strategy. So that's kind of the, the first step for us is like, okay, you want to stand up a streaming service. Well, why? <laughs> and if that's aligned to your business model, then I get it. And if it's for a specific thing, then maybe we align the brand according to that, right? So you always have to make sure you're understanding your direction. And then beyond that, it's just tactical. You break it down in components of how to go about doing it. Again, it goes back to the whole logic and analysis piece of being good at that. But you break that down into a work plan. But the very first question you need to ask is, why am I doing this? And make sure that aligns with what you're about to do. Yeah. And you mentioned, I think in class, like the five whys, I think that was your presentation, going deeper into that. And what does it allow you to do, I guess? Or how is that the approach for you guys? It's, it's root cause analysis. It's really getting to the core of the problem. So the, the whole premise of five whys is that if you're being given a problem, that you ask why five times. And you know, again, it's not a magic number. You can get there at four, you can get there at seven, but basically breaking it down to a point where you know what the root cause is. And so you know, I think that the example I had talked about in class was the Washington Monument and how that was deteriorating 
and you ask the why, 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 and it gets down to a point where it's insecticides that's being used for insects because lights are being shown on the memorial at a certain time. And so when you get to that point and you realize you just turn off the lights at a certain time or whatever it is, then you get to the problem and the core of it and solve that. But being able to kind of just take the layers of the onion and peel it back more and more until you get to the point where you know what you're solving for. Yeah. And one of the things with obviously working with many different businesses and different challenges all over the place, how are you deciding who works on what project and bringing people in and moving people around? Like, how does that work with like who actually works on different projects? So, you know, I think we're lucky in that we're concentrated in media entertainment and consumer products. So for the most part, people that we attract want to work in that space. If I'm sitting there talking about how film is being made every single day, that's not a difficult thing. So thankfully, most of who we hire are aligned with the topic. Then it really comes down to what your interest is. So if someone is interested in analytics versus someone's interested in process, it's really understanding what people's desires are. So, you know, for us, that comes out in whether it's leadership check-ins, whether it's your project manager setting your goals in the very beginning. We have a mentorship program. It's ways to make sure that we understand what our team members want. We hire just very talented team members who can go anywhere, right? So for us, if we don't place on one project that they want to do and are aligned with, they're going to leave. And consulting, for you know, it's more of an art than a science in terms of placing people on projects, but as much as we can, given timing, given kind of pipeline of work, we want to make sure we're matching people up with their interests and their strengths in order for them to be able to, you know, make sure they're happy and also make sure that their position to succeed. Yeah. And with a couple hundred people at the company, what types of things are you doing for, I don't know if it's whether it be like performance reviews or seeing if you are continuing aligning with them and seeing how they're feeling. I'm curious on like the feedback, the back and forth, how you approach that with all the different people at the company. Yeah, there's several different things that we implement. So first of which we, we do quarterly feedback session. So we have a tool that we actually created ourselves because we couldn't find anything in the market that we wanted that enables folks to basically select team members that they want reviews from, leadership team, is able to go in there and also select, you know, in case they're only selecting people that would have good feedback, we can go there and say, this person should also give you feedback. And then that gets fed back to you every quarter. What we always emphasize, though, is that nothing that comes out of that tool should ever be a surprise. So on your projects, we have to make sure that your project managers are giving feedback. We have guidelines around whether it's bi-weekly check-ins to make sure that you're just checking in and just saying, hey, here's some feedback that I have. But we also emphasize that it should be on the spot, right? So if you're in a meeting and you're doing something that could be approved and facilitating to pull that person aside afterwards and just say, hey, here's a note that I have that could have made this potentially go better, right? So we want it to be on the spot. We also have performance check-ins twice a year. So feedback for us is huge. <laughs> if you can't tell already by all these things that we apply to it. But with the leadership team, you check in mid-year and end of year where we talk about your goals, we talk about overall how you're doing and then how you're aligning to kind of the, the next level progression. Yeah. And is there like certain, I'm wondering what the standards of that, like obviously there's certain benchmarks for different things, I imagine. Like how are you like creating that, that's like the system for that? I'm not really too familiar, I guess, with that, like performance reviews and how that all works. I've been at smaller companies, so I'm just curious and more in depth on how that goes. You mean in terms of like the system to, to understand how you're progressing? Yeah. Yeah, we have what's called competency matrices or matrix. Okay. And what it is, is that we have roles of the company from analyst to consultant, senior consultant manager, senior manager principal and partner. So at each level, we basically say, hey, if you're performing at this level, here's what that output looks like. Whether it's your deliverables, whether it's your interpersonal skills, whether it's your kind of executive relationships, your business development, your internal contribution. So within each area, we basically just set expectations on what we would, we would look for if you're at that level. So if you're looking up and you're looking to get promoted, it's then being able to align certain skill sets that we expect, let's say from a project manager. And let's say one of those is to be able to work on a work plan and enough efficiency to be able to put a status report together, or whatever it is, that you then put that as your goal for that particular project. 
to make sure you get the opportunity in doing that. We train you around that as well. But that's how you're measured is those different buckets. So as we look at promotion, we look at every individual every year. We say, okay, are they performing? What level are they performing at? And then that's how we make the determinations on promotion. Yeah. And moving forward, as you obviously you're continuing to grow, I mean, what are you looking for in terms of the team moving forward? I mean, is it kind of a similar growth as you're trying to accelerate the growth in terms of more new team members? I'm just curious on kind of what you're looking at in the future here. We're very culture centric, right? I mean, my motivation in all of this for me has always just been about the people side of it. There's something about people being happy that just makes me tick. And so I say that in relation to growth is that there are numbers where you're like, okay, at this point, 150, 200, usually when you start hitting that mark, you have to shift culture. And it doesn't mean that you do away with it being people-centric. What it means is that you have to evolve it a little bit differently and have different focuses, right? Where there should be more focus on professional development. There should be more focus on creating almost like sub-communities so that you feel that support. So the reason why I say that is I think we were able to absorb 1,500% growth in the last five years because you could kind of keep a culture in a similar fashion from four of us to 100 to 150. Now with where we're at, we want to make sure we're balancing that with growth that isn't going to impact our culture in that way. So maybe instead of 100% growth, we're looking at like 30% growth, right? So we do still see growth and we see it across the different cities, but it's not going to be as astronomic as it's been in the last five years. We want to make sure we're steady when it comes to the culture side before we impact it so much. Right now, we still need a whole bunch of people. I mean, that's the reality of it. We have more work than we have people at this point, but we're very, very cautious about growing too quickly. It's scary, (laughs) honestly. I mean, this is where I I sleep less and less at night being at this number than when we were 40 people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 200 is significant more. And with that, you said you're kind of, you're remote. So you're working remotely, remote offices. Where are you looking for people then in terms of bringing people on the team? Because like, if you're remote, they could be anywhere in theory. So how do you approach that from a geographic standpoint? Well, we're always on our client site. So the major studios that are in Los Angeles, you know, they're either in Burbank or they're Century City or Culver City. It's like when we're looking for growth, I think that New York, I mean, we have about 30 people out there. There's a lot of broadcasters out there. And now there's more traction on our brand that's existing out there. So even, so let's say we grow 30% in a certain year, 50% of that might be in New York. And then obviously a lesser percentage of that becomes in Los Angeles because there's a hundred of us here and we're a little bit more saturated out here. But at the end of the day, because we are diversifying into areas like consumer products, there's just different ways to be able to do that and different locations we could potentially grow into beyond where we're at to be able to address it. Yeah. And as you've grown this company over the years, like what have been the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome or face as you've done this? Is it, you know, is the growing with the people? I'm just curious on what that necessarily is, the biggest challenges. Yeah, it is. It is, you know, for me, anyhow. I mean, I think the operational elements of this also becomes so much heavier. When we first started, the four of us, we sat down and we said, okay, what components of the business are you going to take beyond selling and doing project work? And Frank was like, I'll do all finance. John said, I'll do all methodology. Christoph said, I'll do technology. And then they were like, all people, you do. So all people have meant recruiting and meant professional development, you know, meant culture. It's a lot. And then now there's no way we can sustain all that. So we have a, a head of operations. We're looking to hire a head of marketing. We're looking to hire a head of HR. We have five recruiters on staff right now. It's like, there's so much more that we now have to, to be able to let go of, right? And have a team take on. And I think for me, that was hard initially was letting go and knowing that I couldn't do everything anymore, but it's a disservice for me. <laughs> to continue to do all that. But yeah, with growth, you have to be able to be more leveraged. 
but it gives people opportunities. You know, I mean, I think there are so many managers, senior managers on my projects now because I can't be on projects day to day anymore. I have like 15 of them at any given moment. They're the ones that have to take on kind of the relationships with the clients that take on the account management pieces of it. And which is enabling them to grow much faster in their career because we have to just step aside and enable our team members to be able to do that with us. Yeah. And it seems like it's one of those things where you're going to find out eventually if they can or not by just putting them in the situation. That's the best way to figure it out. Yeah. No, but we're so lucky. We have such good people, honestly. I mean, we joke now, the partners, there's no way we could be hired at this firm anymore. We have such talented people. And you know that's also part of it, right? It's like, you enable people and you stand back and, and you watch how they do it and you learn from it versus saying, oh, I know everything, do it my way. Because there are people coming in even from undergrad right now and we're hiring about 40 straight from undergrad this year where you look at their work and you're like, oh my God, that's far better than what I could have done. <laughs> this is amazing. So you, you surround yourself with smart, capable people and you enable them and, and you watch them develop and it's so fulfilling to be able to see that. Yeah, and what you just said there with watching them develop, what else is there from a like training perspective at on-prem in terms of how you bring people up to speed and kind of coach them along? Like, how does that work for you guys? Yeah, we're actually spending a lot more time focusing on that. We have a manager of learning and that is her sole focus this year is to develop a training curriculum to implement learning management system. Again, before we were largely G-sheet confluence sites in order to host all of this. We have a program for new hire from undergrad and business school where we do a boot camp for them every single year for a week. We have project manager training that we've had every year that we have also for a week to be able to train team members. We're working on experienced hire training. We're doing certifications and enabling folks to be able to get different certifications in areas and in technologies that we believe are going to be really valuable. And then there are a lot of times where when we sit down with mentors, when we sit down with leadership team, people ask for specific training. And we have a certain budget allocated for that every year. So that could be like product ownership training. That could be even like we've sent people to improv just to help them with presentation and kind of fears around that. So there's a lot of different things that are available, thankfully, in the cities that we're in that are super helpful. But now we're trying to focus on actually putting together a curriculum that we would recommend versus people kind of researching and then asking us for it. So it's an evolution for sure on that piece. Yeah, and it seems like something like, again, as you get bigger and bigger, it's even more important to keep everyone on the same page and keep them progressing so you don't have, yeah, I guess, watered down talent or not utilizing people to the best of their abilities and helping them along. You said you're bringing in very talented people, so that's helpful. And one of the things I'm wondering too, is kind of in terms of on-prem would be like, what is the ultimate vision? Like, what is that ultimate vision for the company? You know, I mean, I think for us, like, it's, it's funny because when we first started it and where we're at now, I was like, oh my God, that would be incredible if we got to it. And so when people asked me that question when we first started, the answer would have been this, right? And now that we're here, it's like, oh my God, now what? <laughs> so, you know, I, I think there, there's so many different things that we're still able to do. And I think it's different areas that we can still grow in. So whether that's growing New York, whether that's even going internationally, we have some clients that are based in London. We have some clients that, that we bond to in all different parts of the world. To be able to grow like this and to be able to even grow different offices and grow different locations, that would be incredible. You know, to be an international firm at some point would be pretty incredible. But for us, like day to day, it's really about how do we get our leadership team to develop from inside now, right? Like, so if we did start a London office, we're big believers in growing from within. And so it, it takes time to really kind of grow that and to make sure that we have the right people leading these different areas. I guess that's kind of my loose answer to it. Like, I think we're going to continue to grow. I think we're going to continue to to expand in other industries ultimately. I think our core is going to be being entertainment for a good long while. But if you start seeing on-prem in international circuits and different offices out there, 
doing the work that we've been doing here for international clients, media entertainment, and consumer products. That, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. And looking back, obviously, you had this company for a few years and your other career in consulting before that as well. Like, what have been just some of the biggest lessons you've learned through building this business through your career up to this date, up to this point so far, the biggest lessons you've learned? Oh, for me, I mean, hands down, it's just treating people right. I mean, that has what, what has fed us. And whether it's like when you mentor team members, you got to think about it in and out of on-prem, meaning that if someone wants to become a COO of a studio down the road, well, that's great. How do we get you the bullet points you need here in order to get you to that point? Because what ends up happening is if you're aligned like that and you're truthful to each other about what you want, that person becomes a client. There have been a number of occasions where we've helped negotiate contracts for our team members to go in-house to a studio. And then now they, they become our clients. So whether it's that or whether it's working with someone when you were a consultant, they were a manager, and then now they're CTO and you're a partner at a company, it's the fact that you've treated that person right all along that the work just continues to come because of it. For me, it's always been about that. This isn't a business where I don't ever want to sleep at night. It's like, I'm too old to lie at this point. <laughs> I'm not going to remember anything. But I feel like the biggest lesson learned in terms of how we've grown and how we've kept people and how we've attracted people and how we kept getting business was just treating people right along the way. I feel like, honestly, if you do that, it all comes back to you in spades. And we've been very, very fortunate in all of that. Yeah. And as you've kind of gone through here with the, your journey with entrepreneurship, essentially with this company, I'm curious, is there any like resources that you found particularly helpful in terms of like podcasts or audiobooks or conferences or just talking with people? Like what has been helpful for you personally? You know, there are a number of audiobooks that helped. I talked about a book called Seven Dysfunctions of a Team. I'm sorry, it's Five Dysfunctions. I was, that's why I was hesitating. Like, is it five or seven? Basically, it talks about team dynamics, right? And it talks about how to get people to really trust each other. And when I, we first started the company, I read that book and the foundational layer of, there's basically this pyramid that it talks about and that foundational layer for everyone to really form a, a, like a high functioning team is trust and vulnerability. And so the exercises that it talked about when I was listening to this book was really just getting to know each other. So the exercise was sit there and talk about, I think it was like five questions. You know, where did you grow up? Tell me a favorite memory you have of your childhood. Talk to me about your family, so on and so forth. And so when we first started the company, I sat the five of us down, the leadership team at that time, and I went over these questions and I just said, hey guys, let's just talk through this, you know, humor me. And it was supposed to be like a hour exercise. And then like four hours later, we were still talking about it. <laughs> and there is something about that. And that's the reason why for us, it is a lot about like get togethers and events because it is about people just bonding and connecting and getting to know each other. Because for some reason, if I sat down with you for 30 minutes and we talked about our families, for some reason, the next time I see you, there's, there's this rapport there <laughs> that exists because we got to know each other a little bit. So that book was super helpful. I do a lot of audiobooks and a lot of it is around leadership. There is one called Happiness Advantage that I really liked around positive psychology and really focusing on opportunity versus surrounding yourself with negativity. That was also really helpful. There are so many that I could list, but those are the two that, that stick out most in my mind when I think about the ones that I keep talking about over and over again, when people ask me about, about on-prem and, and kind of our culture. Yeah, there's always different books and different resources at different stages in your career as well, right? Like obviously, if you're looking at more of the team and culture and other aspects now as you've grown this company and everything may be different than at the beginning, just getting started with it potentially. So there's always different stages and everything as well. So the last one I read was, What God is Here Won't Get Us There because of the whole thing for me where I'm like, okay, we're now this number. 
I think we need to shift what we're focusing on. And so re-listening to that book was my inspiration. (laughs) And you mentioned family as well. And so I want to dig into that a little bit, just with managing your time and energy, with having a family, with having work, this company, like how do you personally approach managing like your time and energy? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I started this company because I was pregnant with my second child. I actually had my baby. He's four months old. We started this firm and I started it because of them. And I had a three and a half year old at the time. And the reason why I say that is because when you have your own company, you call the shots, right? So the flexibility that I needed to be a mom, to be able to be home with them, to be able to, to, you know, to volunteer in their classrooms, I needed to call my own schedule. So that's the whole reason why I started all this. And my three other partners and our founders that when we talked about it, the number one thing I said when we said, what do you want out of this? I said flexibility because I, I knew I needed that. It doesn't mean I don't work a lot. I mean, it just means <laughs> that I'm working different pockets of time all the time. But from 6.30 p.m. to 9 p.m., I'm with my kids. I'm doing homework. I'm putting them to bed and everyone knows that. 10 o'clock starts, I'm working again. <laughs> but consulting is one of those careers, thankfully, that you can be leveraged, that you can have a team do the work on the nine to five, and then you're advising at a senior manager level so that as you grow in your career, it actually does allow you to have the flexibility. So I got really lucky that I was at a point in time in my life where when I became senior manager, the firm previous, I had my first child, I saw the light and that I can do this. And so starting the company, it was like, okay, yeah, I, I actually can really do this. And so for us to be able to have an environment where we support that, where I see other working moms here and we're supporting that. We understand what they're going through. It's huge for me because it's so difficult, honestly, to balance all of it because you still want to be the person taking them to doctor's appointments. You still want to, you know, want to do all of that. So this firm was the reason why I could do all of it. Interestingly enough, it seems ironic, but it has allowed me to, to have it all, which is what I wanted. Yeah. And you knew that going into it, obviously, with the yeah four months and yeah, yeah, it was you, crazy. Had, you knew that's what you wanted, right? Like that, that is crazy. Like how was that early on? I'm just curious, it's having the kid as well. I know, and I don't drink caffeine. I just fall asleep all the time <laughs> every time. So I, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it was. Again, I had very, very supportive partners. Our teams are so good, and also like you have to find something you really enjoy doing because my day to day, when it comes to the work that I do, what I talk about, like it energizes me. So if when I actually went back to work after having my kids. It was so awesome because I was like, oh my God, I get to like, this is this is what I like doing. This is what I like to think about. So there was kind of an energy around that that I just needed to step away from taking care of my kids and waking up all night long and then walking into something that I just really enjoyed and I felt just passionate about. Yeah, and I think it's important you mentioned that because a lot of times, I mean, with entrepreneurs, like the reason why we work on these things is we want to. I mean, no one's like, it's like forcing us to do all these things. And of course, there's things that you don't want to do within a business, like, of course. But like, for the most part, it's like, yeah, you want to be doing these things. And like, I find when I'm not working on some of these things, like, I feel anxious that like, oh, I kind of want to work on that because you enjoy it. So there is that pull, yeah, pull as well. Totally. Um, yeah, with that as well. I mean, I think you hit it on, you know, nail on the head with entrepreneurs. We just have this personality of always doing, you know, so it's just like this itch of like, we got to do this, we got to do that. We gotta... And so I think that for me, the balance comes in the fact that I always want to be doing something. And so I want to have a family and I want to work and I want to kind of go between those things all the time. It's just the way my brain works. And so it helps me in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine like not having any work and what would you do? Like, I think of that. I'm like, oh, what would I do? Like, we try to take days off. It's like, no, nah, wait, you're spending time with family. Yes. But like, if it wasn't that, it's like, gosh, I need that thing, you know, to work on and to do. 
No, all, I think last time I did that, I ended up creating my bucket list. I mean, you, all you do when you when you don't have anything to do is sit there and figure out things you need to do. Yeah, you just plan. You just, exactly. You're just writing to-do list. Then <laughs> if you're not actually working yet, it's, it's just funny how that goes with people. One of the last things I'm kind of curious about, like if you were starting over or someone else asked you, like, how do I start a consulting business? Maybe they have some experience already in a different industry. Like, I guess, what are some of the things you would tell them or what are some of the first steps they should take? Yeah, I think what, what's difficult with consulting, especially for a lot of these big firms, is that you do need the relationships to be able to create like master services agreements. So it's not the easiest thing to stand up day one and just say, I'm a consultant for whatever, Fox or for Disney. You actually need to have inroads with their legal teams and someone to be able to say, hey, this firm is meaningful and I want a contract with them. So you can't underestimate the time that it takes to actually get that together versus just starting a project day one. So, but that was a, a big piece of it. I think that for us, because of the relationships that we had when we first started, thankfully, we, we just got our MSAs within you know the first month or two that we were able to start work. But it takes a long time. So I think that is one of the first things you have to figure out is like, what is that company? And get your legal documents in place so you can actually do it. And one of the last things I always ask people, like, obviously, this show is focused more on people launching, growing businesses, whether they're just getting started or they have one they're trying to grow. But I'm curious of any advice you'd have for aspiring entrepreneurs or you know, people trying to grow their business. Uh, you know, I always say that finding the right partners is so big. You know, I, I think for me to have three people that I can lean on in terms of like, I think we, we also have just very different skill sets. So we, we've taken personality tests after personality tests. And even like the five of us, the partners right now, if you look at our results, it represents like all the different columns. And so if you start a business and you have people that basically augment your weaknesses. So if I'm not that big on financials, but I have someone who is very detailed on that, it just helps run it. So that was a big, you know, thing for me. I couldn't have done it without these guys. There's no way, you know, for us to be able to lean on each other, even just like emotionally, right? Like having a hard day calling each other up and just saying, oh my God, how's your day? What's going on? How difficult is all this? It's really, really big. And there's so many different aspects of a business, operations, the people, financials, like I talked about, that it's so hard to cover all of it. So, I mean, having partners that you just trust, that you feel like there's no hidden agenda with, with them, um, it's huge. That is for me, the, I think the biggest reason why we're successful is because we had each other. Yeah, it seems like he found the right people, which is so critical. And I've, even after interviewing so many different people, it's like, yeah, everything is about the founders. It's all about the team, who you surround yourself with, especially initially, because if you have a rocky foundation, things are not going to go well. So it's incredibly important. And where can people go to learn more about what you're, what you're doing or find job openings or internships? Uh, where can they go online? You, you can just go on our website. It's just on, onprem.com, O-N-P-R-E-M. Dot com. Um, you know, our, our LinkedIn page, we're on social media, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, all those different, there's so many different ways to get access now, um, you know, and any of those options. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time today, Candice. Really appreciate it. Thank you. No, this was great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.